I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Did you know that Wix.com is used by more than 84 million people worldwide? That's a ridiculous number. I didn't make it up. Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business and they make it real simple. You go sign up for free, use one of their customizable templates Drop in your images. You don't need to hire a designer or any of that stuff. Yeah, you can just do it yourself with Wix.com. So go today. It's fast and easy. Send us a link to your new site, and we'll talk about it on the air if you made it with Wix.com. Don't try to cheat on that. Can't wait to see what you make. Wix.com, W-I-X.com. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up? It's Rebel Radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Josh Levine. We're here with part two of our Artwork Rebel series hosted in partnership with my man, Eddie Donaldson from Gorilla One. Part one featured Taz, the talented artist, art director. Uh, if, if you're just hearing us for the first time, go back and listen to the Taz interview from a few weeks back. I think you'll enjoy it. And today's guest is Risk. He's a pioneer of the Los Angeles graffiti scene. He was the founder of Third Rail Clothing and is now the owner of Buckshot Gallery here in Santa Monica. And Risk and Taz actually have a joint show coming up together called Unconventional Forces. That opens May 14th here in Los Angeles, so check that out online. I'm sure you can find it through an easy Google search or shoot us a note on Twitter or Facebook and we'll point you in the right direction, but it's definitely worth checking those guys out. Risk is going to share some great stories with us today on how he's been able to build a career that's lasted decades and really put him at the top of the graffiti game, the streetwear game, all that stuff. Uh, this man knew what he wanted from day one, and he's just been working for it relentlessly year after year through all the good and the bad. And he's going to share with us some of his secrets for how he does that, as well as uh, collaboration. That's, that's a big part of what he's all about. And 
I think some important lessons we can learn from him on that as well. So I hope you enjoy the show coming up. Right now, our EDM.com track of the week. Here we go. Okay, that was Vesper with Unfold Her, our EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, check out more dope music at EDM.com. And now let's get into the interview with Risk and Eddie Donaldson. That's in our blackmail files. <laughs> Just have some. You got you to gotta have some over Eddie, otherwise, you know. I have files. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Why do you think we're still friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the trick to being friends with Eddie. You got to. How'd you guys connect? I'm sure it must have been forever long ago. Turn real. Uh, that's a really yeah. funny story, actually, how me and Kelly met. Um, I tell had this, it. I had this, Sit up and tell I, it. I had the uh, I had the store on Ventura and Reseda, Odd yeah. Spot 23, which was kind of like a afterthought of me and Mystics. We were like, what should we do? Let's sell caps and whatever. And Third Rail was one of the hottest graffiti brands on the on the in the game. So I somehow contacted Kelly and was like, I want to come buy some shit. And he's like, okay, come on over. And he lived in Sherman Oaks. So I went to his house and I pulled in the back alley and there's nowhere to park. It was kind of busy. So I double parked in the alley behind <laughs> like Venture, you know, like behind Tower Records at that point, mm-hmm. over in, like on Kester or whatever it was, near Kester and, and Dickens. And I left my car in the alley and all of a sudden we're in the house and buying sweatshirts and this dude in a, in a semi truck starts honking a horn. And I look out, I'm like, hold up, man, in a minute, right? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. And then the guy's like honking a horn, so I jumped over the fucking <laughs> balcony onto the top of my truck, down to the ground, I started talking all that shit to the dude. Get to fight with the truck driver, I'm like, this dude's wild. Yeah, and then I, I, then I hopped back up and grabbed my shit and boned out. Nice. That was our first time we ever met, like we had just met on the phone. That and then he called like a week later, he goes, I need to get more shit. I'm like, you sold out? He goes, oh, I lost it playing dice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> this dude came in with some fake dice and, oh, and shot me for the whole shelf. Like I had probably seven or eight hoodies on the rack. He's like, he had, he's like, I'll shoot you four hundred against the, the the whole rack. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And then fucking he hit me and then he just went like this. He was like six before black dude. He just said, <laughs> took hangers and everything and walked out. That's and amazing. then after he left, I found out the dice were fake. So, did you did you encounter fake dice a lot? Uh, no, nah, I think that was yeah. the only time I got taken with them uh-huh. but after that I, me and Mystic hurry up you and found a couple you found a set yeah we'd go, uh, we'd go and R- Mystic would be the bait you know we'd go to parties and he'd be the bait yeah and then everybody else would start playing and then pot get hot that's crazy I'd come out with the six and twos and or six and five and twos and, and get them or six and twos and a five yeah right that's amazing yeah man well thanks for being here man I, I appreciate you uh, making time right for on. it uh, you know, I'm excited to talk to you because you're not only a legend in, in the graffiti world out here, um, but also, you know, you're, you're one of the early entrepreneurs in streetwear. And, and I think um, really one of the first people to bring those two things together 
and make a business out of it. And so I'm excited to hear, you know, how it all went down and, and where it's going next. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, you know, Third Rail was an anti-graffiti line. That's how it started. Is that right? Yeah. I hated, like, uh, Fat Cap and Con yeah. Art and all that shit. I hated it. And um, I was like, no graffiti writer will really wear a marker or a can on their shirt back then. Yeah. So we did Third Rail, and it didn't have any graffiti ever. Like, the logo was a tag, but it was, like, vectorized and stuff like that. So it was an anti-graffiti line, and people knew it as, like, this graffiti line. Yeah, sure. It never was. That's funny. That's funny. Well, take us back to the beginning. How'd you first get started in art? Like, was that always, were you always drawing as a kid? Yeah, I, my grandma told me that I used to have, uh, I drew like the word cloud and clouds, bubble and bubbles, fire and fire, stuff like that. Nice. So I was like, cool, I was doing graffiti before I knew what it was. But um, <laughs> when I was in school, in high school at Uni High, I would draw waves all the time. I was a problem kid and I went to school. And then this kid from New York came to school and he was like, what do you write? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Can I curse on there? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, what do you write? I didn't know what he's saying. I'm like, Merry Christmas, Happy Halloween. You know? <laughs> he's like, oh, man, what's your tag? I'm like, I don't know what that is. So he showed me photos. And that day, I was like, I, there were trains. So yeah. I was like, that shit's cool. What, so, what year is it? Fuck, 82. Okay. So I was like, uh, that day I went and stole some spray paint, went back to my high school, and I was sitting there waiting for it to get dark. And it, just was, it was just like dusk out. Jumped the fence, did this piece. It was terrible. Like I remember, I was just, I was heartbroken. I was like, "Damn, that shit's terrible." But the next day, all these kids in school were like, "That shit's cool." And I was like, "Really?" Yeah. So I kept going. Where was the piece? I was on the back of some bungalows at Uni High, and it was uh-huh. just like it was white and with a red outline. It was oh, at school. At school, yeah. Yeah. And it said surf. It was just terrible. And then uh, I went like every night, cat and mouse with the security. You know, I had people watching out. Mm-hmm. And then I was like. uh I thought I was smart. I broke into the school, and I did this piece that said Wipeout. went all the way down the stairs, and then I did the, I called them locker rockers because uh-huh. you had the lockers, they couldn't buff it. Right. Or they'd take a while to buff it. So I just kept hitting the school, you know, and that was it. And then, um. You didn't get caught? Rockers. I never got, I got caught a bunch of times, but yeah. never really got caught. Okay. Because um, I wrote Surf, Keg, Is, I Rock, Z Rock, Riz Rock, and then Risk. Okay. So every time I kind of got caught, I switched over. Switch over. Yeah. 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 And then at risk, I was just too deep. That's when I was painting the freeways and stuff. I was like, I'm not changing my name. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Yeah. What was the, so I know you said you, you weren't happy with that first piece, but like, must have been still kind of a rush to see it up and see people react to it. And Well, that's the thing. Like when I did it, I was just totally deflated. I was like, damn, you know, I saw pictures of trains and shit yeah. was dope. Yeah. And then I saw like, mine. My shit I was doesn't like, look like that. I was like, it doesn't look like that at all. Yeah. But then the next day, when the kids were like, "What is that?" Because all we had was gang riding. Mm-hmm. Then that was cool. Then I got the rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and I was like, "Oh, I need colors. I need colors. More colors." You know. <laughs> right. So were you like hooked pretty much? From oh then? yeah. I mean, yeah. but I was I was hooked on spray paint since I was a kid because I used to steal bikes, BMX bikes, okay, and spray paint them. And I yeah. loved the smell of paint. You know, yeah. I I was that kid that huffed paint. You know, uh-huh. and then um. We did these haunted houses, and uh, you know we'd spray paint all the walls and stuff. I was addicted to spray paint. Yeah, you know it's like Dondi said, it's that smell, all that shit. It's like I was addicted to spray paint from day one. Uh-huh. You so, still are though, right? I still am. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Taz yesterday or two days ago, and he's like, I was at Kelly's on Saturday. He goes, I had to stand thirty yards away from the studio, man. So much fucking paint. He goes, that guy's gonna die from paint inhalation, and I'm like. 
Uh, yeah, man, that's how he does. He goes, he doesn't even wear a fucking mask. He's like, I've had my shirt and I can still smell it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess those fumes are part of the game. Right? Yeah, it's it's you know it's I definitely have to pay attention to that. You know, now I have daughters. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I want to be around for them, but it start. I can feel it now for the first time ever in like thirty four or five years, whatever it's been. Uh, yeah, I can feel it now. So now I gotta wear a mask. But the paint's much better now than it was when we were younger. You know, yeah. that's why I don't wear a mask. I'm like, yeah, it's shit. When I painted with it, it had lead in it. And shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. not anymore. Mm-hmm. Now these Montanas and these Belton's is like powder and shit. But Gabor, to take a note, he needs a uh, mask. <laughs> All right, we need masks. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's you know. so. This is obviously, obviously, you know, way before internet, any of that. So, um, how aware were you? of sort of graffiti as a thing happening around the world and you know obviously you saw the new york trains but like like did you understand that this was a kind of a movement that was sprouting up or were you just doing your own thing no i didn't get it at all i was just doing my own thing and then um i don't really know how it happened it was weird to me i would get letters and people that saw my stuff in england and stuff like that and that blew me away you know and then i had some some pen pals you know like uh Bates and, and uh, these people I met in the world competition in 89 and we used to exchange photos and it would take you know like a month or something you know sure yeah and, like by the time we get the photos pieces old but we thought it was brand new right and it's it's mind-boggling to me today that kids just like you know they do something 15 seconds later yeah it's, people uh, around the world see yeah. it you know yeah, but I, sure. I don't know how that you know my name caught on because of that, you know, we had no internet. When I tell my daughter stuff like that, they look at me like I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> like, well, what do you mean you had no internet? You didn't, have, you didn't own a computer? You had to go like, yeah. rent one? I'm like, no, they didn't have computers. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why we started GorillaOne.com was because, you know, when AOL, it was dial-up still. Yeah. And the only way we had that we could post photos was scanning them in. And then putting them in a message board mm-hmm. and then cutting and pasting that code from that message board. And when, when I seen that, I was like, yo, we got to take advantage of this shit because there's a deficit in the visibility for these pieces. Like a dude in Australia would do a piece. It'd take him a week to fucking scan it. Then he posts it. Then it gets around. I'm like, we got to capitalize on this. That was where <coughs> the whole idea came up from was trying to create like a, a, a world's little posting spot mm-hmm. for graffiti and we wanted to do saber at gorilla one risk at gorilla one like it was pretty really super early um would still dial up though but now it's amazing that like sebastian walker will be in san diego painting and it's up like as he's doing it or the minute it's done and like yeah. every While country it, yeah, yeah and every mm-hmm. country in the world can see it it's amazing and what I also think is amazing about that too is if you look at some of these kids from Europe, they're they're they can fucking burn like oh, they're, they're burning amazing. shit, and you've never even heard of them. It's right. like they're yeah. doing forty by twenties, and you're like, what? Like, because when I first met this dude and dudes like him, there wasn't anyone else that was doing what they were doing besides like five of them. Mm-hmm. You know? And anyone mm-hmm. that said, "Oh, I'm going to go do that tomorrow," they were bullshitting because there's a process and you have to learn it, and it takes you know a long time to get there. Now it's like add water and you're a fucking yeah. street artist and yeah which we talked about last time yeah you should ask kelly that question i don't know if that's a later thing but remember the question about no what would but you, you tell it well he asked me a question last week yeah. he said what would you say to aspiring artists that what that want to know how to you know how to get in the game or become an artist what yeah advice i mean would you give them so the game's changed so much obviously yeah and it's so much more crowded right and and like you said yeah. there's this instant piece to it so so what do you tell kids today that are coming up 
Uh, first of all, know the history of it. You know, know where it came from. Know who did it. You know, all those the early wall riders. Yeah. Um, I I think you never know. You know where something's at unless you knew like where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so learn the history, and then the second thing is like never let anyone tell you, you no. Know, you know, because people told me no my whole life. You know, graffiti was the worst thing in the world. My my dad on his deathbed finally made up with me on his deathbed, but you know, I hated graffiti. I ran away. Mm. Um, anyway, you know, it's you know without being corny, you follow your dreams. You know, and then just never listen to anybody. You know, just I, I think actually do the opposite of what everyone tells you, and you probably be all right. Is that right? That's Excellent. definitely not what my response was. <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. Yeah, and it's the opposite of what I said. <laughs> so don't listen to me. I said don't do it. Well, I, it's, I think it's Find different. another career. There's different paths, right? And, it, it, you know, it, it's not – one thing is not going to work for everybody. Yeah. I came from that school of, you know, Charlie and Dream and all those dudes that were like, you know, that question has been around our, our whole life. You know? Yeah. And then people – they would say, get a new hobby, read a book or something. That's exactly whatever. what I said, get a new fucking hobby. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now I have daughters, so yeah. when they look at me, I could imagine someone telling them that. I want to punch them in the face. I'm like, you know, I got to encourage them, you know? Well, you know, I think, I actually think that's really valuable advice because I, th- I feel like in a creative field, and so I was, you know, I was a manager in the 90s, a uh, uh, music manager. And, you know, by the end of my career, I, f- I found myself trying to talk people out of it. Right. Like these young, young artists that want to come up. But, you know, but I also realized, like, if I could talk you out of it, then you don't belong in this career. Right. 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 Yeah, exactly. And so you kind of need to hear no a bunch of times. Right. And, and, you know, you got to say, like, yeah, okay, you know, something's telling me not to mess with it. But something in here is telling me I yeah, have a no choice. Yeah, it's a louder voice. It's a louder voice. Yeah, exactly. for sure. But yeah. also at that time, you were probably dealing with a gang, gangster rap dudes that wanted to get in the game too, right? So you no, were like, they, were, they were cool. That that wasn't. I mean, that, that wasn't the issue. No, nah, it was more like the the bands, the dudes coming out of college who were just like, you know, we want to like we're going to sell a million records. I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're not going to make any money even if you do. And no. so like because uh, the record company is going to keep ninety percent of it. Dude, I was on the phone with these kids. And I did the math for them yeah. over the phone. I'm like, so subtract this, yeah. take this out, take this out. Here's what you're left with after three years, right? And they're like, they just couldn't wait to get off the phone with me yeah. and like talk to somebody that was more <laughs> upbeat about it, you know? Uh, but but I think you know you got to have that burning inside you. Um, so so on that note though, were you thinking about? What, what were you thinking about as a career? Because uh, you well, know, well, people always say, you know, did you ever think you'd be in a museum or a gallery or something like that? And my answer is always yes. And people are like, well, is that right? What? Because everyone says, oh, I never, I'm not doing this for the fame or whatever. And I just think you're full of shit. Because yeah. every graffiti writer has a huge fucking ego, and that's why they write their name a million yeah. fucking times. Absolutely. Yeah. If you didn't want to be famous, you wouldn't. Yeah. You, you would do it in your own house. Yeah. In and a book, pe- right? And as far as being in the gallery museums. Yeah, I did. You know, I, I dedicated my life to this, and I wanted to be something. So I, I aspired to be successful with graffiti. That was my goal, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I definitely Sorry. thought it was going to be a career. And I was lucky, too, because I ran a lot of drag when I was younger about, like, you know, I did Michael Jackson and Playboy and Budweiser and everything you could imagine, MTV. Mm-hmm. But I always told them, nah, you guys want this to be real because they said we want a real graffiti artist. I'm like, yeah, I got to write my name because people mm-hmm. will see right through it. I can't write right. your name because that shit's corny. So I was really lucky in the early stages doing that, you know? How the how the paid gigs start happening? Um, Do you remember the first one? No, I don't remember the first one. But um, I don't even know how to work this one. Gerlach. 
I can tell you this, when I first got into graffiti and I met the dudes from TCF in the Valley and I saw these guys starving for wall space, right? I got a lot of dudes their first paid jobs because a lot of dudes didn't even realize it would be paid job. Mm -hmm. You know, like for mm -hmm. instance, Topher Chin, like he was an artist and I got him a magazine illustration. And But what I did with the dudes in TCF is I was like, look, dude, let me go to these liquor stores and tell them to give us 40 bucks and some beer and we'll paint their name and yeah. we'll do a roll call and we'll be happy because that mm -hmm. was like the best we could do. Like it would yeah. say Spotlight Liquors. Yeah, and sure. I remember I, would, I put up us. my pager number on walls. On illegal walls, I put my pager <laughs> okay. number on it. So we did the exact same thing. And what's funny That's is then, then it went to airbrushing because Belle Biv DeVoe was doing their thing and there's all right. this shit. So Fever did this character. I did them on a colored cardboard construction paper and I put my beeper number at the bottom. And guess who hits me on the phone? Baba, because I hit Melrose and I hit... You know, because the hip-hop shop was around back then, so I'm stapling these things. I'm going door to door. Mm -hmm. And I get a call. It's like, yo, I want to get my my overalls done. He, like, ran me through the whole thing. He's like, how much is it? And then he's like, yo, you guys aren't real artists. You need to find a new job or something like that. And it was Baba. <laughs> sweated me. That's the first time I ever encountered Baba. So I, I, I also knew, you know, that there was going to be a future to this this thing you know and I, I didn't I don't think any it took a genius to figure it out right um, but you know I just think that when you're in it sometimes you're blocked by the what the future looks like for you sometimes but it was like like wise for instance when you know wise was my college roommate in San Diego and he went to art center and when he graduated he's like trying to put, put his resume together for agencies first job was white and Kennedy and he's like I'm like you got to put graffiti on there he's like nah man they're gonna they're not even gonna accept me i'm like dude mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta do it he goes no nah. and i go who else knows better what we're going through than an agency that seeks fame for their client because that's what we're doing we're out here like you mm -hmm. said yeah. egotistically putting our names in the best places where it'll stay the longest with the funkiest style so that people will take note coca-cola you make not like that's what they do he's like no nah, it'll never work so he ended up getting a job at white and kennedy guess what his first task was a graffiti-related job. Sure. And he probably spent the first couple of years of his whole career at White and Kennedy figuring out ways to pull in the yeah. Espos and the Reese's and shit like that. So, you know, that that was kind of my first job thing was like, let's make, you know, let, let's make some money at this and let's, let's like take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of kids in art school get sidetracked because, you know, art school, there was a time when you couldn't say graffiti. You know, they're like, I don't want to see that shit. I don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, I never experienced that because I went to USC mm -hmm. and I, I graduated fine arts USC and I, uh, my teachers were cool because they never saw graffiti. I, yeah. It was so early Is that, right? that it was new. Yeah, they were trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I had recognition because I had won the world um, championship thing. So my teachers changed the curriculum for me. Like they were like, you know, everyone had to like do a fruit bowl, you know, oil painting and fruit bowl. They let me do a, a spray can or a noose or something. Right? Nice. But they just changed all the assignments for me because they knew that I was already had my medium and genre. So I had a very pleasant, uh, positive art school situation, but people that came after me had it really rough because mm -hmm. there were so many graffiti artists and they weren't any, not a lot of them weren't any good. Sure. The teacher's like, I don't want to see that crap. Yeah, you know? yeah, so of course. I had a different experience with art school. You know, Nathan Oda, a good friend of mine, Coos, he's a professor and, you know, that he was kind of shy about his graffiti never talked about it and then some of the kids in his class were uh talking about it and they now it's in the curriculum they study graffiti and stuff like this and he's like yeah i know risk and now you don't know risk and he brought him down to the wall uh -huh. and um where you guys did a collab no nah, he was he he didn't want to touch a can 
And I'm like, bro, you got to come into the studio. So he came <laughs> to the studio and he touched the can and that was it. You Is know? that right? Yeah. Yeah. And now he's uh, embraces it. You know? Yeah. So you kind of had this, uh, you know, this belief that it was going to happen, right? That you'd, you'd be a gallery artist and, it, you know, that, that would be your career. Definitely. Um, when was, so when did it, when did you feel like you, you, like that was um, happening? Like when, when does it go from kind of being a, a dream to reality? Uh, you know what? Like I think that, you know, I saw the Tamara Bain Gallery um, and they had, I think it was Futura, uh, Lee, uh, I forget who else, Eero or A1 or something. And I, it was a gallery show and I was like, I want that. Yeah. And I, I used to focus on things and obsess on things. And then I was eventually like having lunch with Tamara Bain, talking about having a show, you know. Um, and I went to a different direction. But, yeah, I just used to focus on things. And then once I saw it, I knew I could get it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I would have it eventually, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think when I saw that show, that was it. Like, I was like, I want that. You know, yeah. like it went from all the commercial shit I didn't care about anymore. And I just wanted to do art, like my art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you say you used to obsess on things? <laughs> that's I mean, behind you now. No, but if you saw this dude, I mean, like, that's one thing I will say about Kelly is, like, he's he gets set on something, it's happening. Yeah. It might not be the best outcome. Like, it might not work, but he's yeah. going to figure out how to make it happen. And once he'll get there, it'll happen. He'll be like, ah, it wasn't what we thought, but we did that shit. And mm-hmm. I, all the time when I work for him, I'm like, dude, are you crazy? He's like, go get it done. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, man, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, he's definitely taught me over the years that, like, you know, kind of zeroing in and focusing. Perseverance. I think that's with anything. You will definitely get what it is that you're trying to do if you just fucking, you know, stick your head down and get it done. So where'd that come from? Did did you learn that along the way? Did somebody, was there, like, a mentor that taught you that, or or was it? Probably my grandfather. You know, my my grandparents raised me when I was really young. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh... You know, they were just, you know, he's from New Orleans. He was a country boy, and he was just kind of like get shit done kind of guy, you know, like just make it happen. And, I, you know, I don't really remember, well, the the lessons I remember were like criminal lessons, but I don't really remember like anything specific, but he was just like a good role model, you know? Yeah. You know, he taught me like, you know, as far as the criminal stuff, is like don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Like just like the, you know, the, the moral things. And, sure. Know, don't steal and, you know, just stuff, you know. I but, think I right. got that one from Dave Chappelle, like people do the crime they can afford. Is that, he's the one that did that, right? So I think so, yeah. So now when I run a red light, I'm like, do I have no plan to cover this ticket? <laughs> sure. Nice. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. Um, and so when did you – start getting known outside of LA? Uh, well, that's like, like I said, that was really early because um, I don't know how that happened, man. I don't know how people in other countries... Oh, you know what? IGT Times, International Graffiti Times. Um, it was like a little zine from New York and it was not even a color. It was just black and white. And I think um, someone submitted a piece that Slick and I did on Crenshaw to mm-hmm. them. And they were picking the U.S team to represent the u.s in the world championship graffiti battle so slick and i got picked went out and won the battle and then i think from that point i met like people from paris and mm-hmm. england everywhere and it just kind of went from there yeah so graffiti is interesting in the, in the art world because it's the only medium i can think of where uh collaboration is so important yeah you're right for the most part artists work alone for me, it's all about collaboration. People always ask me why. Like, a lot of my friends that are artists are like, why do you do so much collaborations? I'm like, 
graffiti to me is like a social that's how we talk that's how we communicate like i i don't know dates you know like but graffiti is like a chronological calendar to me like i could look at that piece and say when it was where it was who i was with you yeah. know all that stuff yeah but i couldn't tell you like what's today's date or you know anything uh-huh. like that yeah so to me um just to know that i mean i'm alive and where i'm at i have to be interacting with people and the way i interact is through art so mm-hmm. collaborations are just like i don't know i've always it's key yeah yeah it's key it's kind of like writing on the wall for cavemen for kelly right like you look and go okay that's when i had this girl who was doing this right like you just look through time yeah so how do you know who you who you want to collaborate with and and like what makes a good collaborator for you well to me it's it's uh it's not well yeah obviously you like their art you know that's cool but to me it's a person that you can vibe with and you you want to spend time with and hang out and talk to because mm-hmm. like i said collaborations to me are just communication right so it's who do you want to like really sit in the studio with for the next couple months and bullshit with mm-hmm. you know because there's a lot of people that are great and i just can't stand <laughs> them so i won't like work with them you know but then there's a lot of people that aren't so hot but they're the best people in the world to work with and i'd, I'd love to paint with them and then there's a lot of people that are just like incredible and like teach me shit and it's you know everything works out all all the way around so yeah who what it would have been the most successful or most kind of important for you uh collaborations i think uh working with nathan oda because we started doing graffiti together in the beginning mm-hmm. and at the, that time we we're ending up with shows at at the end so yeah. the, it was a full circle thing um you know people that i've i've grown up with and done a lot of time with like, you know like slick um you know we haven't done anything recently yet but like that's gonna be a good one because we have so much time i think people that you've known for a long time are the best collaborations especially when you can see where you came from and and where they are now and how you could kind of meet up now as opposed to then right and so when you do that does it do you is it like you bring your style they bring theirs or are you adapting your style to meet them the way I usually do it is we just kind of work over each other. Like mm-hmm. I'll do the first layer and then they'll do a layer and then I'll do a layer and they'll do a layer and just whatever happens, you know, it's mm-hmm. always different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's just, you know, like the stuff I'm doing with Taz right now is, is going to be interesting because we're both working on separate bodies of work and we haven't merged them yet. So mm. that's going to be interesting, you know? Yeah. So you don't know. We what... see each other's stuff, okay. but we haven't gotten the studio together yeah. yet and merged them. So I think, I think you guys should do a mural somehow figure out a way to bring him to the wall because he's I don't think he's ever really done that you know yeah, I yeah. Think that would be like for him if you asked him that question in eight years that would probably be the answer to that yeah, question yeah, sure. like what was one of the best things you've ever done besides like working with all the different people that we discovered in our last sit down but I'd like to see him do an oversized stencil of some of his shit and like yeah. kill a mural I think that would be you know we could do that we could do that uh, the outside of the gallery in the back well what i also thought about was doing something in the studio and 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 video in the process but whatever i think he would really he would really like that and what's interesting about these two is like i've known both of them for 20 years plus and done a lot of different things with each of them and it's like to see them get together as like two kids in a fucking sandbox and just get it you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying it's like mm-hmm. they're not taking each other's toys away from each other they're like sharing and like it's like you have to almost pry them apart at the end of the day like his wife's like come on kelly it's time to come inside and <laughs> jim's wife's calling going are you coming home it's like right. you know i'm scared to leave him alone because i'm like uh, am i gonna come back in two days and you guys are still gonna be sitting here like, because they're both just kind of creative geniuses like i yeah. am hashtagging my stuff clash of the titans because to me, and I, I think I have a good perspective being involved so long, it's like this dude's body of work is so, it's like 
I don't know too many people who have created as much as he has, just period, as far as art, but not to mention styles and different areas of it. And then you look at Jim from Chicago to Pearl Jam and, mm-hmm. you know, Lollapalooza. It's like yeah, putting these two together in a room, I think, is, sure. is it's going to be a really great show. Yeah. And I think, you know, the collaboration will probably continue at, onward after that. Yeah, for sure. Big shout out to our sponsors at Wix.com. Thank you to Wix for supporting the Rebel Radio Show. And the rest of you, you need a website for your business, your personal portfolio. Whatever your hustle is, you need a site that you can send around. You don't need to spend a bunch of money hiring a designer, a coder, all that stuff. Just go to Wix.com. There's hundreds of templates you can choose from. It's real easy to customize. Drop in all your images, your text all that stuff. And the result is a great looking website that you made yourself for free and it's fast and easy. So save a bunch of time, money, and all that. Get it done. There's no credit card required or none of that hassle. You can get your website live today. Wix.com, W-I-X.com. What are the toughest collaborations? I mean, you don't, you don't have to Put people's names on. I, actually, I shouldn't say that. Just go ahead. And, yeah. No, but like what you know, when it doesn't work, like what? Uh, you know, the 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 collaborations that don't work, or when people just think that oh, he's a graffiti artist and he's a graffiti artist. I have a wall for you guys, but you guys right. have to collaborate. Like I was never down with that shit, and I hated it. Like yeah. when the city was like, you know, in the '84 Olympics or whatever, and they're like, all right, every artist is getting a mural. And we're going to take all the graffiti artists and let them work on one wall together. I was like, well, would you put Picasso and such and such together? Why the fuck right. are you doing that? Yeah. And then, you know, it kind of really pissed me off. And yeah. um, that doesn't work. You know, when you just take two guys and say, oh, they're graffiti artists, put them together. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have a synergy, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think to answer your question, what, what doesn't work is when you just take two strangers and put them together. Right. You know? Yeah. What would you say was like the height of your, your street fame? Mm. Was there... A, certain piece or or time when like that was kind of the, its biggest i don't know man i mean the 101 freeways were great you know like i killed those things and yeah. like i had like i was looking at photos of that i had like you know up to 20 30 40 pieces running at one time so that was a lot yeah and then um you know there's always stuff that comes along the michael jackson video was huge um which one michael jackson the way you make me feel I, I think it's like as time goes on, you just try to outdo yourself. You know, mm-hmm. like the Mocha show was great, the book was great. I mean, I'm working on a movie now. I mean, there's always stuff. I think you know. Yeah. I you know I don't really know where it's gonna go. I just I want to be an artist that never knows completion. You know, like never knows the end. You know, because if you know the end, the ride's over and life's a, you know it's a hell of a ride. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was Goodyear or one of those tire stores that the slogan said a company that'll never know completion. And mm. I thought that was the dopest shit ever. I was like, that's me. That's cool. You know. Yeah. What um, 
so obviously you've done a lot of music stuff and and you know music and art seem to be you know linked yeah um is that is is music like a a big influence for you definitely it's huge for me i mean you know i'm i'm like somehow i'm getting known as like the rock graffiti guy you know but right? i'm cool with that you know that's yeah. totally cool um but it's you know Led Zeppelin is my all-time go-to inspirational for everything. What's the record? Uh, all of them. Led Zeppelin two probably okay. the most. But um, I don't know. Like you know, working with people like Aerosmith and, and going to paint with with Joe Joe Perry and stuff. That shit's just such a high, you know. Mm-hmm. And especially because those dudes are like, it seems like those dudes are so uh, slash. I mean, all the the kind of rocker dudes are just kind of like go for it kind of guys. Like when Joe was painting, he was like. All right, we're gonna go bombing. I was like, or we're gonna go painting. I'm like, cool, let's do this. And so we're in the uh, the limo, we're cruising around. I'm jumping, I'm doing these pieces, and he's standing there, and I'm like, wow, this dude's like really into. It. He's watching, and then finally at the third piece, he goes, so hey, when do I get the can? And I was yeah. like, oh shit, you really want to paint? Yeah, you know. And he started painting, you know. So Could he really paint? Cool. Yeah, he painted. He yeah. he actually uh, created the Aerosmith logo. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. And you know, he has a hard time with the can. But he has that drive, and he wants to get used to the can. You know, he's been on tour forever, but I don't know if I can say this, but he wants to go paint. I, I can't say we're going to go paint, but, yeah, he's uh-huh. going to come go paint. Nice. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so you know, hip, uh, hip-hop and graffiti are, are sort of, like, seen as synonymous, and then you're talking about the rock influence. I had a long talk with Roger Gassman yeah. on this uh, topic, and he was – he was kind of critical of the way that he felt like graffiti had been uh, co-opted by hip-hop. Yeah. Um, I agree 100%. I mean, you know, I was very into hip-hop when I was younger, so it was cool. But I was also very into punk rock, more yeah. so into punk rock and more so into rock. So, you know, uh, you know the West Coast, all the, the dudes that were dope were all punk rockers. You know, they weren't into hip-hop. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they got into hip-hop, but it was all punk rock first. Um, you know, the hip hop thing comes from New York and graffiti was originated there and that was the music there and that's why. Right. But, you know, nowadays it's like, it's not such an issue now, but, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you had to be in the hip hop if you did graffiti. That was just the stereotype, you know? Right. And that's why I think people like myself and Scene kind of stood out because we we're like long hair biker kind of dudes. So people were like, they do graffiti? You know, mm-hmm. they didn't mm-hmm. get it. My first encounter <clears throat> with it was with, it, you know, TCF, right? So. I'm hanging out. And it's like surfer dudes, you know, like yeah. Star. Yeah. And like my 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 observation had been like you know Beach Street and like brothers in tracksuits right. and shit. Of course. Right? And then all of a sudden I'm in the valley at this party and these two dudes start scrapping and they're arguing and it's like Scar and some other dude and they're like infectious grooves days. I'm like, so to me I was like I'm from Kentucky. I, I ride the line, black, white, both. You know, hip hop, I'm <laughs> punk rock. I was so down with the fact that there was like white boys with long hair listening to fucking punk rock that were painting graffiti, yeah. mm-hmm. stealing shit from 7-Eleven, yeah. racking paint. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. This is not, because the, the Beat Street dudes, I'm, I'm pretty sure the lifestyle was different than what we were doing here. We were going in 7-Eleven, eight deep, and everybody's coming out with 40s and food. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, yeah. I, I, I don't think that was the culture. I'm not saying they didn't steal and that that wasn't part of it, but it was like, it was just different. Yeah. It was bred because it wasn't that hip-hop related you know break dance and then catch a tag kind of thing and that's well, what brought me into yeah because like radiotron you know back in the radiotron days mm-hmm. that was very hip-hop you know we'd go there and we were like you know fish out of water you know we didn't fit in it was just something sure. we'd like let's go to radiotron this weekend but our life was surfing every day you know yeah so it was just 
different you know yeah man yeah. like water the bush was dope because it was mm. like that hip-hop new york experience but 90 percent of what was going on out there with ksn and tcf and all these other crews was like white boys drinking beer listening to rock and roll or or punk and it's like when you go to kelly's like kelly's probably got the sickest uh classic rock playlist than out of anyone i know so barbecue it is pad every song you're like remembering when you were 12 <laughs> like you know a great movie scene because it's definitely not what you would expect if it was a stereotypical hip-hop co-part yeah. mixed in with a couple of classics you know i got ll cool j radio mm-hmm. you know stuff oh, yeah, like I that mean, that just it's not all old school yeah, I get it. music but you know. sure it's funny though i mean i remember talking to mr cartoon 10 years ago yeah and he kind of reminded me like we were talking about low riding and he kind of reminded me that like you know i think the way he said like the real low riders like they don't listen to hip-hop yeah you know yeah and so, right, because they predate hip-hop. Oldies, right? yeah. I, we were roommates yeah. for years, and he, he got me into the oldies. He yeah. was like, listen to this. For sure. You know? For sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that's, like, you would also, you know, we would also just sort of generically associate low-riding with hip-hop culture today, right? Or, or yeah. in the 90s, whatever. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting how all of these different elements, you know, kind of got... Um, I don't know. It's a bad thing, right? But no. but, but they kind of got popularized in the mainstream through hip hop. Yeah, um, that could be a time thing too, though. It's like hip hop was such a prolific f- movement that mm-hmm. anything that was happening that could jump on did. You know what I'm saying? Like, like even if you look at culturally, like the Irish rap group, the Jewish rap group, the yeah. the, the Bronx or the Brooklyn rap group. Yeah. It's right. like so. I think you know at that time it was. You know, if you look at punk rock or you look at all, and this is just my opinion, you know, if you look at some of these other music forms, they just kind of came out and they were like their own little thing. But mm-hmm. hip hop turned from Baker Boys having one night on Friday to regular formatted radio stations right. fighting each other for sure. you, listeners in major markets. So it's like everything just kind of rode that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like punk rock will never see that type of explosion because now punk rock is mainstream and it just kind of happened to have mainstreamed, right? Like with Blink-182 or these other mm-hmm. bands, right? I think hip hop just made it was like we're here, we're doing this, and you're gonna take notes. And so people were like, "Yo, I'm with them. You right. know, how can I get yeah. down with that?" You yeah. Know, whether it was dudes who low ride it, or whether it was dudes that did graffiti, or whether it was dudes that gang banged. You know what I mean? It was like we're gonna get in this voice because that is the most prolific voice of our time right now. Sure. Yeah, and then the way you know Roger just sort of describes it is like, you know, you have the rise of, of videos through MTV and, and BT and, and whatever, and and you have the need for album art. And like the the artists, the hip hop artists and labels just started grabbing graffiti as the visual backdrop yeah. for it. But it, like he says, it's almost like it just sort of happened. It wasn't, you know what I mean? It's it's not like that. That's necessarily the natural fit. It just kind of happened. Well, what's funny is we did, um, you know, obviously me getting into the business of the art and trying to figure out how to get people paid. I used to do album covers, and we did the Nappy Roots first album cover for Mike Karen. Mm-hmm. And it was Mike Maxwell, who wasn't a graffiti artist, but he was a street artist. He's actually the one that illustrated it. And I'm sure Kelly can say, how many albums covers you done? I don't even know. Yeah, and then you got Mir doing Limp Biscuit. So you're right. It was kind of like graffiti got visualized by mainstream through bands that were right. like putting their homies on to do the covers or the backdrops on the videos. Sure. Because probably one, they were homies and they wanted to use the format. And then two, they were cheaper than the other dude that was charging eighty yeah. thirty thirty thousand dollars for some right. album art. Like yeah. Jim, for instance. I don't yeah. know what he was charging back then, but I hope it was good. Yeah man, it's so, like So so talk about some album covers. Well 
I, I couldn't even tell you, man. Like, uh, people use my stuff, and they're like, can I use this? I'm like, cool. That's the majority of my stuff. Like, yeah. I don't really do, like, their logo and stuff like that anymore. I just, like, yeah, you could use that painting, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, the last one I did was Mad Child, I guess. I, we did the, uh, I think I did, like, three or four of them just nice. recently. Oh, shit. And he made that. some prints on them and stuff. So, but he's he's a friend, and he liked some stuff I did, and he, I he let him use it. And then we adapted some stuff and made some prints. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like that better, you know, because if they could see a painting and get the feel for it, right, then it's real. Yeah, it's organic, you know, rather than trying to create something to portray a feel. Yeah, and is that in general the way you approach corporate stuff? Is more selling art as opposed to creating? Yeah, hundred percent unique for them. Hundred percent. Like, yeah. uh, I just I'm not an illustrator, you know. It's mm-hmm. like uh, I gave that up a long time ago. I wasn't that good at it, so I was like, let those guys do that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't have the patience for that, you know? Like, I like, I'm very spontaneous and immediate gratification and, and, and sloppy. Like, mm. you know, Dennis Hopper said, um, when are you going to get tight? When are you going to get loose and, and paint tight? And I was like, no, he said, when are you going to get tight and paint loose? Sorry. Uh-huh. And I was like, whoa, what did he just say? And I started thinking about it. All my stuff looked like a sticker or a sign at that time, perfectly crisp. I could make the can look like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, it needs a couple of drips. Mm-hmm. And then it just, I just started going like, oh, it needs to get real messy. Mm-hmm. It needs no outline or it needs only an outline or whatever. So I just thought that was really cool. And that just became like me and my art. And that doesn't really lend itself to uh, illustration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but let's also speak on the fact that Kelly, you know, back in the day, would come and paint in an hour and a half and burn the wall and there'd be dudes there for two days still trying to figure out how to get the 3d with the fill and like i mean yeah. he's notoriously known as like one of the fastest burning burners out there like he'd be like we'd do a, it'd be a paint day i'd be like all right be here at 10 a.m and we're closing at six and kelly show up at 3 30 and burn everybody there. you know what i mean and like and i don't mean that because he's sitting here i mean like i mean that like, yeah literally and i don't just mean aesthetically how it looked to you but i mean skill wise and all the different factors that you put into a piece whether it be 3d or fills or arrows or cuts well i had to learn to paint quick because all my shit was illegal illegal. so sure i would i did the opposite and i'd put up my outline and get it right first and then go back and fill in and clean it up you know people are like doing the traditional like oh i put a light color outline let me fill this and let me do this i'm like i don't have time for that shit yeah crush it get it up and then come back so talk about for a minute the the uh unique challenges of building kind of a legitimate career off off an illegal medium, right? And I know, you know, we yeah. we see Shepard in the news every once in a while with his legal challenges. Yeah. Um, what's that been like for you? You know, it was crazy. When I sold Third Rail, I don't know how many years, I, I, I don't know time, so it could have been two years, could have been 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, I sold it, I think it was, I think it was like eight years ago, maybe now. Um, it's more than that. See, I don't know. But, um, you know, I thought I had a lot of money, and I had a decent amount of money. I'm like, I can retire. Yeah. And uh, I had some businesses. I, I bought a construction company, and I uh, had some properties and whatnot. Nice. And, um, you know, the, the economy crashed, and I lost everything. Like, I lost the properties. I lost the business. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. All of a sudden now, I have to paint and support myself with my paintings. And I never wanted to do that. I always wanted my paintings just to be for me. Right. Sell a couple, cool, whatever. So I kind of got just swept up in that whole, like, now this really matters. And that's what really was you know everything i think everything happens for a reason it was a blessing in disguise because i had to really get serious about my work and see what made me take what i liked and deconstruct my whole aesthetic um so it got a lot of pressure i guess so it was really scary so Mm -hmm. now i have four daughters 
and I have to depend on a check. <clears throat> and what do I do and how do I do that without, um, you know, just doing corny corporate stuff? So um, I guess I was really lucky. You know, I just I started doing paintings and galleries and, and selling and I don't know. But, yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah, sure. I'm sure. Well, let's let's talk about third rail. Um, where how'd you know you could start a clothing company? Well, that's funny because uh, when I started Third Rail, I had, I'd ran away from home over graffiti, and I had this little loft in right right down the alley right here on on uh, Bigness, uh-huh. and um, I was I have to make money, so I'd go to Melrose and I had a pinball machine in my loft and I'd print some bullshit little shirt and take a backpack to Melrose and sell some T-shirts. Yeah, and then um, this Japanese guy comes up and he goes, "Oh, that's really cool. I want to buy like." You know, some shirts. I'm like, yeah, I got whatever you need. He's like, you got like 30? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Went home, made 30. He's like, uh-huh. you got 100? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, all right. So then he's like, he gave me an order. And it was $33,000. And that was like a million dollars back then. Yeah. So long story short, it took me a year to make this order. I had no idea about seasons or any of that shit. <laughs> right. I was just, he kept coming to town. He's like, how's but the he order? Prepaid. No, no. He, he'd give me a little bit. Oh, money. he gave you. Okay. And he kept coming to town and go, how's the order come? Oh, it's coming. And he'd just laugh, whatever. And then finally I learned about clothing. And I finally, his name was uh, Hiroshi. I said, Hiroshi, man, why didn't you fucking tell me I was a clown? And he goes, no, you learn. You learn. Yeah. You know, he became my distributor. So actually, you know, I outgrew him. And we were doing, you know, a couple million dollars, whatever. And he goes, I have to let you go. And I'm like, no, I'll always stick with you, Hiroshi. And he just didn't take my calls one day. Just so I would go find another distributor and keep going, you know. Mm -hmm. He's a cool dude. Um, wow, then, what a great... Yeah, and then after I got a new distributor, he came back around and was my friend again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I stumbled into it. And I just... It, it, that's how it happened. You know, I had to go work. I was designing guest jackets and Warner Brothers jackets for free, so they would make my samples. Mm. So, and then I learned the business. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, that's such a different <clears throat> role, right, from being the creative to now running the business. Um, was there, like you know was there a big like was there a moment when you realized like okay now i'm in a different place yeah 100 percent. like the, the whole reason i got rid of third rail was because i was running the business and yeah. i wasn't doing any art yeah and i was like this is not making me happy so wait how big did it get uh we were about 15 million you know and that was like small for a clothing line you know it got decent yeah. size but yeah. um i was just running the company i wasn't doing any art i was hiring all my friends to do all the art and i was like mm-hmm. they're having all the fun right you know? so yeah I mean, I, I'm so fascinated with that, and we see that in music. We see that in all the creative fields where, you know, you're really good at your art, and therefore you have to become a business person, right? Because no one, yeah. you know, which is which is way different than the, the sort of straight world where it's like you learn business and then you right. go, you know, yeah. you go. Applying that to someone else's art. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I took business classes at SC, too. So I was like, you know, my dad was hardcore on that. Like, he was, he hated graffiti because he really wanted me to be a businessman. My dad yeah. was a... Uh, uh, I don't know how to say. He was a, a very smart guy, uh, very successful up and down. He was a criminal, you know. He started out like laundering money and did all this stuff, and took that money and invested, and he, he was very successful. But he was the thing with me. He he was. I I got to rewind, I guess, to tell the whole story. But in seventh grade, I lived in New Orleans. I quit school because I was stealing bikes and stuff like that. My mom was a teacher, and it looked really bad that she couldn't get me to go to school. We had truant officers and they'd come mm-hmm. and chase me around. I'd get away. So she's like, we're going to go visit your dad. I'm like, cool. He lived in Lake Tahoe at the time. We landed. I remember seeing snow 
And she's like, do you like that? I'm like, yeah, that's fucking cool snow. She goes, good, because you're staying here. I'm like, what? (laughs) And then my dad's a big dude. And so I got off the plane. He's like, what's up? I'm like, what's up? He goes, oh, you think you're a badass? I'm like, what? No. He goes, yeah, I'm going to straighten you out. I'm like, yeah, right. So um, he did. So he he, uh, hired a teacher to live with us. Uh And she went from class to class with me to make sure I wouldn't ditch and stuff like that. Wow. And uh, he was just like he was out of his fucking mind right he was running around doing god knows what but he made sure education was important to me and i had stuff like that so Mm -hmm. um later on when i got in usc and i switched my major from from um business to fine art he flipped out he just lost his fucking mind you know yeah and you know we fought about that till the day he died um so yeah I, i always had a good business sense i guess you know yeah so this is a little offbeat question, but um, now that you're a father, your own, like, what did you take from him and from your experience <laughs> with your own father into your parenting? This is going to sound terrible, Dad. I love you. But uh, I do everything the opposite of, that he did, like yeah. complete opposite. Like, you know, he <laughs> never, I, I could count on my hands how many times he said, I love you or, you know, showed any, like, gratification. He probably loved Eddie more than he loved me. It's you know, like <laughs> It's just easier to show people you're not that close to. That's sure. Yeah. But we did have a good relationship, yeah, me and Banks. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, and, you know, he did a lot of good for me and everything, and he, I'm sure he wanted the best, but, like, I tell my daughters daily how much I love them and mm-hmm. hold them and hug them. And, and uh, you know, he's visited me at school maybe once or twice in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to, I just did the daughter, daddy dance the other night, and I go to their school every week a couple yeah. times like i'm that just very fun, involved right? the daddy dance oh, it was great i love that i'm just very involved with my kids you know yeah. and um the one thing i do kind of like him i guess probably is uh i don't hide stuff from them mm-hmm. like they're around um anybody bikers and bike gangs and they're around they see shit all day long and nothing's hidden from them mm-hmm. um it's just you know just a lot of communication and yeah. positive encouragement. Yeah. I mean, to speak on that, like, Banks was very serious, you know, but he came up in that world mm-hmm. where in order to be respected and do the things that you need to do, you have to be serious. Like, you know, he had those kind of meetings where people came to him and looked to him for that guidance and that leadership in that way. So to be relaxed or let your guard down right, was sure. just not sure. cool for a dude from that era. You know, like, he's the nostalgic scotch at the end of the day you know six in the the morning (laughs) six in the morning until seven at night type of dude yeah and kelly's definitely you know a little like he says a little bit different than that more more of a renegade and kind of following his dreams which definitely puts those two types of people at odds but they they had a you know they had a really 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 interesting relationship but to talk about kelly with with being a dad like He's a great dad, better dad than I am, because he's he's there, he's present, and mm-hmm. there his relationship with his kids are, is pretty open, and that's one thing that that I do as well. Like my kids, when they're around me, I take them anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, what yeah. I mean, like I, I've done things with my daughters I don't even want to speak about because normal people would be like, I can't even believe you said that. Right. And Kelly's the same way. It's like some of our friends are surly dudes that are just not the most welcome kind of person in a mm-hmm. family setting. Like mm-hmm. you know, your your daughter's fourth uh, fourth birthday. But, you know, I think to speak on that, I think that's really important for for our era and the era to come because now everything's is mixed together. It's mm-hmm. not like it used to be where dad's got to go earn the money and wear a suit. And mom's got to be the nice person making dinner at home. Like everything's so different. So I think giving these kids that insight early on 
is probably going to give them a step up or an edge on some of the other kids that yeah that, for sure that they're competing with whether it's for a spot on the team or a spot in college or yeah. a job for yeah. that matter yeah. sign of the times too like i remember when i was a kid like spray paint for example like kids love spray paint they always mm -hmm. want to spray paint my mm -hmm. kids have so much spray paint that they don't like it they're like dad right. can i have the brush yeah like, what do you mean i got a can right here and they're like, <laughs> yeah i like the brush you get yeah. better colors i'm like all right cool but it's like you know you give them experience and they could you know develop take their it own, or leave you know? it yeah mm -hmm. and what's funny too is kelly's kids go to private school i don't put them on blast but they go to private school <laughs> and there's a certain certain girl i know that lives out in the neighborhood you know well to do and he's she's been to the house with me before at kelly's for for you know a, a holiday dinner and one day i guess there his daughter's performing at school and the girl that i know's kid saw that his daughter goes to school with his daughter and she called me she's like oh my god we were at school today and we saw kelly at school and he had donated some art and it's like it's it for me that's kind of those weird stories where it's like the kid's younger he's like nine he wears a little jacket to school and then kelly's at school with his kid like that doesn't you know mm -hmm. when you when you visualize what a television show or a movie looks like and they're describing a certain activity going to private school with your dad it's not it's never they're not casting <laughs> right, right 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 <laughs> for sure you know, you know it's crazy unless like, that's the whole story well unless like, there's some right. kind of hook there right, right? but my that's reality now. yeah you know they, yeah. they they went through stages like my oldest is 17 and she was like Oh, I'm not gonna tell my friends you do graffiti. That's so embarrassing. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And now, now you're like, long the story dad. short, yeah. yeah. So I go to school and they're like, what's up, Mr. Risk? I'm like, eh, what's up? Like, that's funny. But they're cool and it, you know, yeah. she, you know, I don't know. It's just different, you know. But uh, yeah. and the teachers and and the other parents are like, think it's really cool, you know. Of course they do because yeah. it's amazing that someone can have such a, a a solid and secure life off of something that used to be of you know a teenage you know fantasy or whatever for lack of a better word mm -hmm. but it wasn't always like that because bailey's 17 so she was a baby and people met me and like what do you do i'm like artist oh that's cool what kind of art graffiti oh right yeah they're shining yeah. on it but now yeah. they're like trying to figure out how they can buy a piece so yeah. they can maybe put their kid through college that's 10. yeah, yeah. you know which did, is an interesting aspect to the business did you ever think i mean i know you had this you know vision for yourself right but just in terms of graffiti in general, like did did you ever think that it would be, you know, in galleries and museums and like so? Yeah, man, I did because I, I I my whole uh, mission was to make, you know, graffiti uh, not a household name but like like a, a an art form like a, a legitimate art form. Yeah. And um, you know, I went through a period of time where I didn't say the word graffiti. I called it aerosol art. Graffiti mm -hmm. had a negative connotation. Right. Yeah, all these things. And now I'm just like, take or leave it. You know, it's good graffiti, bad graffiti. You can yeah. make up your mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely like um, wanted it to be a genre, like like just like any other medium of art, you know? So yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, I got, I got a tough question, right? Like with the, well, I don't know if it's a tough question, but with street art and graffiti, right? Yeah. What's the difference between street art and graffiti? Graffiti takes a lot more talent. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Graffiti is like I think the old craftsman, like the there it's now it's old, right? So it's like the the craftsman kind of guy that used to carve the fucking wood himself and mm -hmm. you know, street art, you know, now they use a computer or whatever, whatever. But it's like and I and I don't have anything against street art, I like street art, but I'm saying they've learned to work smarter, not harder. So yeah. now they can sit in the studio and make something, go paste it up and they can get up twice as much. So it's just um um it's just elevation. It's just like where it's gone it's just there's nothing wrong with it it's just sign of the times people got smarter and people got a way to get up quicker and easier 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if mm -hmm. someone called you a street artist, you'd be cool with that, right? I don't care. I just call myself an artist. I don't yeah. use graffiti or street. I get it. I get it. Right. I had a hard time adjusting. I'm not gonna lie to you. When the street art thing started happening and all the popularity came, um, I you know wasn't the dude with my socks pulled up at the barbecue growling so much, but I kind of was, you know, because <laughs> it's like I saw, you know, for me personally, just to get in the crew, I had to go write a thousand times, and then when right. I was done, it's like okay, now I had another step to go through. Yeah. Now it's like you meet a dude at a barbecue, you have a beer, it's like you're in the crew. I'm kind of mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, yeah. how the hell did that happen? And then the guy that just got in the crew is talking shit about the dude that started the crew. I'm just like, well, I'm getting dizzy, so let me just take a step back and kind of like figure out what that means because there definitely was a certain you know process you had to go through in order to be acknowledged and respected that i think the art form is kind of lost and and i get it but it just took me a minute to get to a place where i was comfortable well I, and i think some of that too was the the corporate thing right so so uh my company you know we did all the street art for scion uh -huh. right so you know we hired all the artists and put the shows together and all that stuff and i remember you know with them at the very beginning we're like okay we're gonna do a graffiti thing and then you know, as soon as that got written down on a piece of paper, they're like, oh, yeah, let's call it street art yeah. because, you know. Graffiti is a bad word. Graffiti is illegal. Right, right. It right. Is. Now, street yeah. art could be illegal, too, but it's a more of a vague connotation. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you know and, and, you know, graffiti had this very distinct meaning to it within, you know, the corporate, what the lawyers were going to yeah. see and all yeah. that. And so, well, yeah, I mean, that translated all the way down. Like when I started, it was like we would literally go get eight cans of paint and go all night until they were out. And we were going to write on as much shit as we could. I was sure. never a painter. I was a tagger. I, first piece I did was the last piece I did. What was your tag? I wrote sync, S-Y-N-C. And I did one train and <laughs> I fucking saw the photo and I was yeah. mortified. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm never doing that again. They're like, you have to. I'm like, no, I don't. I'll fight everybody you want me to. But I'm never doing that again because that's fucking, that's bad for everybody. That's bad for business. But I mean, it was vandalism. Like graffiti yeah. started yeah, exactly. as vandalism. Yeah. Yeah. And then dudes that, like Kelly, scared all the 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 normal dudes out of the game because they started doing arrows and cuts and blends and right you know getting funky with it and then you know it kind of trimmed down the the runnings mm -hmm. so it definitely wasn't just the lawyers taking precaution it's like no of course you look at gk you know one of the most notorious is notorious graffiti cases that i'm aware of in new york it's like when he got arrested they had millions of dollars worth of vandalism on record for sure and yeah we tried to raise money and fight his case and you know that was like that time where it was like graffiti's bad don't do it you know yeah like schools are launching campaigns where if you have graffiti on yeah, your yeah clothes, of course you know so Who was the, what was the kid here in the, Chaka? In the 80s yeah Chaka. Chaka, that yeah. was just like astronomical Dude, you know I, what was cool Chaka. i remember watching uh uh not Leonard, what's the other guy? Jay Leno. Mm. And he said, so the space shuttle took off today and it had a Chaka tag on it. Yeah, dude, look, when I had Oddspot, Chaka walked into the store and like no yeah. one had seen him. It was like this mystical character. And he walked in, he, he bought some shit. I'm, I'm like, yo, what you write? He's like, Chaka. And I'm like, come on. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, show me. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, what's up? Yeah, because you know? like everyone yeah, was yeah, like, course. have you ever seen him? Because he's from the valley. Do you know him? I'm like, no, nah, I don't know him. It was like <clears> a <throat> mysterious dude, and then he was cool as fuck. He started coming to the store a lot, and then I still talk to Chaka. I haven't seen him since those days. He just came to the show last week. I would love to see him again. I actually reached out to him on Instagram. I don't think he hit me back. So just going back to Third Rail for a minute, when you know you said you got out because it was taking you away yep. from your art. Um, are there business lessons that you learned through that process that you? that you still use today? Um, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, it changes so much. Like I have friends that are in the clothing business and it's just such a different game. I, I think that 
the lessons you have to learn, you just kind of have to learn. And they yeah. adapt and they change. So, yeah. you know, I, I was just a guy that always kind of um, had a good relationship with all my my um, accounts, mm-hmm. um, distributors, stuff like that. We we hung out together. Didn't just it wasn't just business, you know, because we built a lifestyle. The whole thing was right. a lifestyle company, you know. Yeah. And that was the hardest part of Third Rail because, you know, the three rails: surf, skate, snow, and then the electric rail that runs a subway train that gives it all the juice. Um, blah 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 so it, people were confused because i had board shorts right. and i had you know snowboards and i yeah. had this i had that but it was a lifestyle company so i had to have all that stuff i thought you know sure so, which was which at that time was pretty in, influential because yeah. nobody else like con art was all con art and mm-hmm. you know biggie smalls and uzis and you know there wasn't anyone that was kind of pulling it all together even echo when echo came which was one of the big companies that spawned from this movement it was like tags and hard hard dude stuff it wasn't you know yeah. we were able right. to like throw a hip-hop party and 400 hip-hop dudes would come and break dance and get down and then the next night we'd do a punk rock party and it'd be a gang of white dudes slam dancing yeah. mm-hmm. in a pit moshing and for me that was a perfect company to work for because i was definitely caught in the middle so Right. We're the training ground. People used to work at Third Rail and then go get a big job. Yeah, of course. Well, where's my <laughs> <course>. big job? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what would you say today? You know, in terms of your business, like what are the, what are the rules? I mean, I could happily say I have no rules. You okay. Know, like, uh, uh, I have a couple things going on right now. I have uh, Buckshot Prints, which just launched today. BuckshotGallery.com. Yeah. And uh, you know, we do prints, and then I have the gallery. I'm part owner in the gallery, and then um, I have my art career or whatever um and i just kind of keep it all art centric Mm -hmm. like i don't mind doing different ventures and stuff as long as it has to do with art you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm um a producer of a movie coming out and uh it's about graffiti artists it's like can you tell us the title vandal okay um it's about some miami graffiti artists it's gonna be hot but um yeah it's just i i i live breathe eat sleep Art. So mm-hmm. as long as it has to do with art, I can handle it. You know, yeah. I'm consulting for a new hotel downtown. Um, I'm uh, curating all the art in the hotel and stuff like that. And it, people say, "Man, your plate's so full." It is, but I'm doing the same thing it's over all, and over. So yeah. it's just you know, it's it's, it's it all, it manageable. It's doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all lends itself, which is good. Yeah. So if if I, if I was if I was on your team, if I was working for you, what would I hear you say over and over? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's Gabor over there. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm very anal retentive. Like in the studio, I want the thing clean all the time, and it's dirty as fuck. But you know, I'm telling this guy every two seconds, like, does your mom live here? You know, whatever. Right. Like, so I'm just trying to keep shit clean and just keep it organized and just I don't know. I just uh, I hate people standing around. Like, I can't stand when that dude's on his fucking phone. I'm like, you know. I don't know. He yeah. would say, do what I say, not what I do. Oh, for sure, 100%. <laughs> That's 100%. Okay. Um, what do you think of the big sacrifices you've made to get where you are? Um, it's hard, man, because, like, I have so much fun, and I, I, I'm, I can see all my friends out there partying, and I'm like, man, I want to go party. 
but I do party all the time, but it's always for work. So right. I'm, I'm very lucky, you know. So I don't know. It's grass is always green on the other side. You look sure. and you're like, oh man, I want to do that, and I'm like, well, fuck, I am doing that. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I would say that's one thing. I don't think Kelly's had to do a sacrifice very much, and I think yeah. that for a career, at you know, for a career and an artist, that's a great place to be where you can kind of do what you want. I mean, if you go to his house, I mean, literally, there's probably not one thing at his house that he really wants that's not there. Mm-hmm. They got a trampoline, they got a jacuzzi, they got a pool. They, he can go paint his car. He can have his car lifted and worked on. He can paint a mural bigger than most people have ever had as a practice space and he can put it on the internet live while he's painting it it's like kelly's always de- been the guy that's good at developing the perfect scenario for himself as yeah far as a my environment I, I have to have like, yeah. my environment like when we had third row studios or the, the studio downtown it's like people just used to want to come and vibe out because it was a great place you'd go to another streetwear company or a clothing company and they didn't have half the stuff that we had so that's one thing i can say is kelly's not had to make too many sacrifices nice you know, he's a lucky man. All right, I got a couple of Twitter questions. Cool. Uh, Fike Meany says, oh, shit, I would thank him for the artwork. Ask if he's doing any work or shows in the Rhode Island, Boston area this year. Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Uh, so Jim Evans Taz says, he's got two questions. Uh, what most influenced your lettering style? Wow. Uh, good question. My lettering style. I don't know, man. I think um, I've always loved letters, and I think I've always wanted my letters to look like a sign. So I think just old, funky um, sign painters and graphics, like, mm-hmm. you know, van graphics, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, all the old comic stuff, you know, uh, Rick Griffin, all that stuff, like Zap Comics, like all those kind of stuff like that, I think, you know? Yeah, that's his next question. So you, you might have just. Answered, answered it, but um, so I'd like to find out his favorite comic artist. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know if he's a comic artist, but Robert Williams is like you know he did some early comics, but mm-hmm. he's he was one of my favorite artists for years. So I, I would have to say Robert Williams. Nice. What about new? Um, who are the new new cats that you're checking for? Man, there, I, I couldn't even tell you. There's so many. Like like before we got in there, I was just just surfing the net or whatever on the fucking thing yeah and it's like man people you never heard of are doing amazing shit like mm-hmm. i'm just like blown away you know um are so, there cities or parts of the world that, that are that are like coming up right now yeah overseas i mean there's a lot of stuff it's like you know now i see so much good stuff i have to look at their feed and see if it's consistent now mm-hmm. it's all about consistencies because anyone could hit you know one you know right not anyone well you know not me <laughs> uh, yeah not anyone it's not as easy as you think um but, you know, and it's also just looking at different genres and different people and just different stuff, man. Like, just, I don't know. Yeah. All right, we got a little bit of a speed round. We're almost out of time. But cool. um, uh, what's your favorite piece in your house that's not yours? Um, scene, Led Zeppelin piece. Nice. Yeah. I'm noticing a Zeppelin theme here. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll do this. I usually ask uh, favorite DJs, but, but I want to ask you um, – if you're uh, going to a desert island and you could bring three records with you, what would they be? Uh, Led Zeppelin to Leonard Skinner and fuck Masters of Reality. Okay. And what about um, what artist? So favorite artist or the one that's had the most influence on you? That's that's before your time. 
Uh, Robert Williams. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I tried to do a wall with him, you know, and, and I was so stoked. He was like, yeah, man, what you do is amazing. I'll do that. And then I went, I was like, we can do the wall. And he goes, I got to tell you something. He goes, what you do is work. He goes, you got to get on a ladder. You got to get up and down. He goes, I sit home. I paint my paintings. My wife brings me my lemonade. He goes, yeah, I think I'm going to have to pass. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, he was so cool the way he said it. I was like, all right, man. That's <laughs> wow. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, cool, man. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you coming. Right on. Thank you. Can't wait to see the next stuff. You want to uh, talk about what you guys are working on? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we got a lot of things in the mix, but the ma- the most recent or the most upcoming thing that we have um, is a show with Jim Evans, Taz, at Buckshot. It's um, in May, I think, after Coachella. We get back from Coachella. And like you said, it's just going to be Taz and Risk collaborating on as much art as possible between now and then, and then a little bit of stuff from their independent body of work. Taz is going to focus on some of the rock stuff that we've done because, mm-hmm. or he's done because he's got a wide variety, and I'm sure Kelly will come with some bangers. Yeah, of his own. Um, it should be should be interesting. We have some special guests. We have Ernie Sapulo who created the Rolling Stones tongue. He's going to be there doing some stuff. So, yeah, which is awesome. Which is right up the alley of where we need to be. Nice. Um, and then let's promote the all the socials and the, the gallery and all that stuff. Uh, BuckshotGallery.com. Okay. And then I, I don't know the rest of <laughs> Riskrock.com. Okay. That's um, hard. Yeah, I'm horrible at that stuff. That's all right. We'll find it. <laughs> Somebody asked Kelly yesterday, what's your your Snapchat, right? And uh, yeah. he's like, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's I cool. mean, it's hard to keep up nowadays. you got Snapchat. I have OG Risk and I have Risk Rocks. I don't know which one's which, you know? Like, yeah, so. it's tough. So I mean, so how involved are you in in the brand, mm-hmm. in managing, promoting, in, in the social, all that stuff? Well, uh, for the first time, I have a manager, yeah. and, and uh, it's a uh, longtime friend of mine, uh, Kevin Zinger and Ivory Daniels, that come from a record background, yeah. and they were just like looking at me, and they're like, hey, man, you got, you know, you're more famous than some of our artists, and this is a joke, this and that, they go, we could really take you, I'm like, yeah, whatever, let's see, so we tried it for a year, and it worked out great, you know, so they're handling all the, the corporate stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I just paint, I just do my stuff so you know nice. um they have a definite eye out on the brand and i don't have to do it as much anymore and that's good yeah. because i was saying yes to everything and now they're like nope 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 no 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 yeah. so you know they're they're kind of handling it for me why do you think it took you so long to to do that to work with the manager because you know they're, they're my managers because they're my friends and that's yeah. just kind of how my life is you know and it just that's how it worked out um i've had other managers like real you know polished professional dudes that sucked and mm-hmm. i've had friends that were great people that wasn't their world that mm-hmm. couldn't pull it off mm-hmm. and this was just a good synergy you know nice yeah it works well together and plus kevin big history with kevin zinger yeah yeah third rail too actually srh kevin owned srh back in the uh-huh. day which was another brand that was thriving in another area and uh, we used to do a lot of parties with them yeah i got a, i got arrested at the trade show and um i got kicked out of the hotel and i didn't even know him and he's like hey man need a room like yeah he goes don't fuck me i'm like nah i won't fuck you so he gave me his room that's how we became friends and then we went on to do parties we got sued together nice and then um i don't know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) nice well thanks man i appreciate you being here right on thank you sir good one eddie always brings the good one that's right that's right we got a couple more coming beautiful okay that was my man risk i hope you enjoyed it Like I said, if you did, go back and check out the interview with Taz from a few weeks back and check out some more of our old episodes at rebelradio.net. You can leave us a comment on Twitter, at rebelradionet. 
Find our Facebook page and, of course, leave us a nice review on iTunes. Before I let you go, I'm going to share some final words from our sponsor, Wix.com. Wix.com is the best place to go to build your own website for your business, your portfolio, your artistic career, whatever your hustle is. You need a website, and Wix.com is the place to make that happen. It's easy. It's fast. It's free. There's hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates, and you can just drag and drop your images, your copy in there, and you're done. Wix.com, that's W-I-X.com.